Hey guys, and welcome to Roman Go Lightly, a podcast for creative adventures. Listen, you and I have a lot in common. Like you, I am a working person and I have real world responsibilities. But despite living that nine to five grind, I still want to live that adventurous creative lifestyle we all crave. So how can we do that? Well, that's why I'm here. Roman Go Lightly is a podcast and blog that believes in local adventure and everyday creativity. Because listen, adventure doesn't require a plane ticket and creativity is beckoning and it's for everyone, even us working people. Join me each week as I pick the brains of some of the coolest makers and seekers out there to find out in what small ways we can infuse their practices for inspiration and adventure into our daily working lives. You in? Let's do this. Hey, hi, and hello to the final episode of season one of Roman Go Lightly, a podcast for creative adventures. Guys, where did the freaking time go? I feel like we were just starting season one, Ziza Vita, who if you haven't listened to our first episode, definitely check it out and just go through all of the goodness that's that's come about this season. Um, so much growth I felt has come from this podcast. I feel way more comfortable with podcasting. I feel like I've definitely gotten a grip on the whole editing thing and finding my voice and I can't thank you enough for sort of bearing with all of the amazing things that have come about with the podcast Um, and it's been so great to hear your positive comments as well. I can't wait for what's going to be around for season two. I'm not going to give anything away because I'm going to talk about that for our next episode which will be our final season one summary so check that out next week. Today's guest who's ending season one with a bang is the one and only Aida Mullenkamp. I told you guys about Aida last week, so if you didn't listen, you didn't have a week to catch up on how amazing she is, but Aida is the food expert and creator of Salt and Wind. She also has her own television series called Taste Made, where she goes out into different cities around the world to basically travel in good taste. So her job is to essentially search the world for delicious foods, report back, recreate those delicious things that she finds, and talk about how we can sort of infuse these sort of wonderful things in our life. Definitely check out Salt and Wind. We're going to talk a lot about how her career path has sort of been a winding one, but one that's been really filled with delicious and beautiful things. So Aida travels around the world, and we're going to learn about the ins and outs of finding the best of best of what's around, no matter where you are. She has so many tricks and resources, stuff that I actually find myself referring to ever since we've had our conversation. Um, And it's been really, really a joy to have her on the podcast. She's so busy. She's a superstar. And right now, she's probably somewhere off gallivanting. So thank you, Aida. I can't thank you enough for ending season one with such an amazing interview. So without further ado, here it is. Laura. Hi, Aida. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Great, thanks. Well, yeah. Um, Thanks for asking me to do this. I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, when I was, you know, making the podcast, I made like a basically a dream list of dream, dream uh, interviewees, and you were right on there. So it, I was so glad to have you on board. So tell me, where are you right now? Um, I'm in Los Angeles in my home for once in my life. It's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you're all over, right? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I travel a lot. I'm, I made a goal in 2016 that I would only travel about 50% of the time because having time with friends and family is important and being on a plane all the time is, you know, not necessarily a way to live life. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, it's enjoyable. It's like sexy. Everybody always wants to hear about where you've been latest, but um, you know, you got to have, you got to cultivate your life at home as well. So um, I'm off to Maui next month for the first time, actually, uh, which is ironic because I don't know if you know this, but I'm marrying a Hawaiian. So I'm like, I don't know why I've never gone from his island of Oahu <laughs> over the 15 minute flight. I think it might be 20 minutes to Maui, but it's never happened. And now it's happening in a couple of weeks. I feel like Hawaii, each island feels, feels a world apart once you're there. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I think that's, I think that's very true. And I think that that's actually, I'm like, it definitely feel like I'm an ambassador for Hawaii unofficially just because I love it so much. And, um, I think that people can misunderstand that if they haven't been there and they, you know, everybody kind of has their island they love best and you want to give yourself that time to explore that. <clears throat> that sounds awesome. So Maui's next. Wow. Maui's next. Yeah. That's great. I'm, I'm so excited to pick your brain. I feel like, you know, when I was making this, um, when I was just making this list of people, I was like, well, I really want to talk to people who do live adventurously. But one thing I love about what you do is that you're all about basically digging in like a local. And that's sort of one of the biggest things I try to encourage people to do. Think as a tourist in your own local area. So it, I don't know. To me, like it just totally made sense to just reach out. And I'm so thankful that you're doing this and taking the time. And oh, my gosh, I can go on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No, I appreciate it. And you know, sometimes you know how the internet is. Like sometimes you create and you create and you're like, is anybody out there? Do they understand what I'm doing? <laughs> so it's always nice to just hear people get what Salt and Wind is about without me having to explain it first. So um, I'm glad you get it, Laura. That's helpful. That's I, good. I totally so get it. Covered. <laughs> yes, check mark. I totally got you. Good, good. Awesome. So do you, let's go right into it. Okay. Awesome. So, um, if people, you are, you have a long list of credentials. You're a food expert. You're an author, traveler, food, like extraordinaire, TV host, creator of Salt and Win online, like magazine about food and lifestyle. So the list goes on and on. But, um, if you were to describe what you do in your own words, how would, how would you describe that? Um, I think the thing that really ties it all together is I'm just, I'm just traveling to find delicious things. I, um, you know, one of, one of the ways we describe salt and wind to people is to travel in good taste. So you're just like searching out what's really awesome in that place that you're going to. And that's kind of what I try to do on a daily basis. Like I live in this neighborhood that's super walkable in Los Angeles, which I know people don't believe is possible, but it is. And, um, and you know, I take a different path to like my workout class when I'm walking just to see if I can explore something new. So it's about exploring something new in the search of something really tasty and delicious, I guess. I feel like you have the coolest job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's taken a while to get here. Um, it's hasn't, it's, there's a lot of speed bumps along the way, but, um, I'm glad you, I'm glad it sounds cool to you, at least from here. <laughs> oh my gosh. You can, I feel like you, what you do is basically every time I try to plan a trip, it's always centered around, maybe just because I'm a foodie, but every time I'm just trying to find the best that every location has to offer and, Oh man, it's just like you're the go-to girl for that. So that's such a cool job. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, you know, I think that's that's something that really unites us now that I just don't think I got I've been in food media for a long time actually. Um, I think I'm coming up on a decade. And even though in the grand scheme of like the history of the world, 10 years is not that long, 
the one thing I can tell you is 10 years ago, like foodies couldn't really find other foodies. There were people who would like travel around with a Zagat guide or something like that. But <laughs> today there's so many ways for us to connect. And I, that's what I love about salt and wind is we're creating this community that is pretty international. I'm always surprised when I go into review where our reach is and I find like new users in Japan and Germany. And you're like, wow, that's, that's cool. They're reading our English, you know, website and cool. Awesome. And I think it just shows how connected we all are. And if like you, you like food when you travel, that's kind of almost your number one thing that you're planning the whole trip around. Uh, Amazing. And the internet's so great for that. I'm sure you have so many resources just from the internet and your followers and recommendations. And I'm so excited to get into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will definitely share. Yes, cool. All right. So um, let's talk about your like winding path to get here. Um, when does <laughs> when did you realize you had this like passion for travel, but also the kitchen? Did did one come before the other? Um, that's a really good question because I'm not really sure. I can tell you that my parents always had us get out and go, and I think that's a huge advantage when you live in a place like Southern California, where in a couple hours you can be in a national park or skiing or out on the ocean. And my parents really instilled in us to go to um, take advantage of the national parks a lot. So I like some of my earliest memories are being cold camping in Joshua Tree Desert with my family. But the, the kitchen part has always been there too. My uh, family's a mix of a Italian American and French. And so that's kind of how we get along. I mean, we all, we can debate politics and all sorts of things all day long, but like when the food hits the table, we all see eye to eye. Um, but in terms of my career, food came before travel because I first started in kitchens and kind of got that background both in school and in my career that was like, you know, all food focused. And then somewhere along the lines was like, wait, maybe travel can be part of my job too. Um, and that's what I've got after the last couple of years. That's yeah. Awesome. So I love that you brought up your family. My family always jokes that like we will, there's so many of us, but then somehow we always end up in the kitchen, just all around in a circle, just always. chatting to each like, other. Yeah. And you're like, this is ridiculous. Like where, where were we? I forget whose house we were in the other day. And I was like, this is absurdity. We're all <laughs> sitting here in this kitchen, like shoulder to shoulder. I think there's 15 of us in a kitchen that should fit three and get out of the kitchen, like go somewhere <laughs> else in the house. Like there's a nice living room and a dining room and whatever. But I think you're right. There's just some of us. It's like uh, the food really is the connector. And that's definitely the way it is in my family. Absolutely. So I guess my I'm curious about your background in like food media. Do you think you would have ever imagined yourself making an online lifestyle magazine with food centered around it and travel or uh, was exploring the world something that you always thought was going to be on your radar? I'm, I'm curious, what were your intentions like coming into the food media industry? Um, my intentions coming into the food media industry were to work at Bon Appetit. I was like, I am going to, you know, knock on anybody's door to go work at that magazine. Um, and the reason is Bon Appetit used to be here in Los Angeles and they shifted their offices around right as I started getting into this industry. So, um, I, but that was my job. I was like, I really, really wanted to be food editor, even though I didn't even know what that meant. 
I was determined to get on the masthead at Bon Appetit magazine as food editor. And so I was on the masthead at a magazine as food editor, but it just ended up being Chow and not Bon Appetit, which <laughs> I think worked out for me in the end because I got to be in San Francisco in this time when like, you know, people were talking about the beginning of Instagram and all these things were up and coming and it allowed me to understand the digital side a lot better than if I had just been like a traditional print magazine. Totally. I love the, yeah, Bon Appetit. I mean, hey, you ended up doing just fine for yourself, I think. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, I definitely think I, I, that was like the pie in the sky for me. And when that didn't happen, I was like, I'll just go to Chow. And then in a, you know, in a year, maybe I'll move to New York and I'll go to Bon Appetit when they move something with their offices. And that never happened. And I believe a lot in just like letting life happen to you a little bit. And I was like, you know what, this is an awesome opportunity. Um, But I never thought I would go back into the online magazine space because, you know, I did stuff like cookbooks and TV and was going down that path. But I really, really like magazines. You get to like connect with people around the world and brainstorm cool ideas and you get to know your readers like you're one big family. So um, I'm definitely a magazine person. It's just it happens to be online instead of print now. Yeah, that's a new it's a new thing now the internet. Yeah, the internet's been around a while. Um, I'm not sure if you noticed. um, Yeah, you might want to hang out there. It's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. We'll see you there. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, is there, let's talk more about like your travel and um, salt and wind and all the good stuff that goes along with that. Um, so what about seeing and, and tasting the world really inspires you? Oh, geez. Um, I would say that the world for me, I, I grew up in a part of Los Angeles that was like really a, a kind of a melting pot. And I thought it was really cool that I could go hang out at one friend's house and their mom would make gyoza and then I'd go somewhere else and their dad would be like barbecuing kebab. And I felt like I could understand my friends and their family better, even though I couldn't speak their language. And so that's kind of expanded to all my travels now. And I just think it's so amazing that despite this whole internet thing we just talked about, um, the reality is we're, you know, we're still like very distinct cultures and you can go somewhere like India and be like, I've had Indian food a thousand times down the street. I know everything there is to know. And then you go there and you're like, this is mind blowing. It's so much better than anything I've ever had in the States. And oh my gosh, the technique they're using is different. And here's this ingredient that the FDA won't approve for the U S. So you get to like uncover and peel back like layer upon layer upon layer about the culture just because you are sitting there trying a dish in this place where it comes from. Yeah, it has to have like a deeper, it has to like settle a little deeper with you when you're actually there tasting it in its like true authentic state too, right? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, it's it's funny because actually just this morning, right before we got on the, fo- the phone together, um, this PhD wrote me an email and was like, I really like salt and wind. And it inspired me to write this this article for psychology today called the flavor of our travels. And so it actually is this cool article that explains like how food actually weaves into exploring different cultures. And, and I just thought it was so interesting that she associated our site with that. Cause that's definitely in my ethos. Um, and then she has this like science that actually 
proves that this is a big way for us to like break down the wall and understand people better. That is incredible. <laughs> I was like, thank you, psychology today. I already knew that. But you're like, thanks anyway. for just reassuring what I already knew. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I'm going to have to look that up. That's so that's really, really I mean, that must feel good too, right? That she's associated like salt and wind with you. And that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So is there um, a particular place you've been or a food experience you've had, um, even if it's in Los Angeles or where you where you were born, that has left an impression on you? Oh, geez. Um, I would say here, here in Los Angeles, I've had a lot of really interesting things um, happen to me. I, I first knew I wanted to go into kind of the greater hotel restaurant hospitality side of this world. Um, when I got to intern at the Hotel Bel Air and I had never seen like luxury food of that level, this like really high end, fabulously done food. And I was just an intern and they sent me out to make the cookies that are like their version of Nancy Reagan's cookies and everybody demands them, all the VIPs and like five, you know, top, top A-listers who stay at their hotel and I just remember like putting together these cookies and realizing it's so much in the technique. It's so much in the quality of the ingredients. And I was, I don't know what age I was, like 16 or something. And that kind of made me be like, quality matters, whole food matters. But like, I didn't even know that it was telling me that then because I didn't know enough about anything. But that kind of shaped me in my ethos toward food without me even realizing it. Wow. So cookies. <laughs> Cookies. By the way, Nancy Reagan makes really good cookies, so you should try and find the recipe. <laughs> Noted. I'm curious. Nancy Reagan, what a gal. <laughs> Having when you're so young, you take in ideas like that, but I'm sure like it took you a while to be like, oh yeah, that's what I actually gained from that experience. Right. 100%. <laughs> yeah, you're like, cool, I learned how to make cookies and like I don't know, spotted Robin Williams. And then you're like, wait a minute, these cookies meant a lot more than that. <laughs> so much deeper than how good it tasted. <laughs> so uh, you, you're like the maven when it comes to finding the good stuff wherever you are. So what are some tips you would give to someone who's like researching a trip? Or um, how, how do you find all the hidden gems that you recommend? Well, I think it's so much easier than it used to be now. Um, there's just amazing resources out there. Um, obviously you should come and visit Salt and Winds and hopefully we'll have some stuff for you. Um, I do think that, I do think that it, everybody researches a trip differently. So if you're super, super detail oriented, you probably do want to scour the boards of something like TripAdvisor. But I think that the first and foremost is to reach out to your social network, even if it's just your personal Facebook page of friends. They, if they've been there, they know you, they know your taste, and they're going to give you really awesome tips. Um, and then I usually do some good old stalking and try to find, like, who's talking about what I care about in this city. And I might even go so far as to insist that person meets up with me, which has happened before in various cities um, and made for some really great relations, friendships, not relationships beyond friends, just friends. Um, and then... <laughs> When I get on the ground, I, I I usually try to find one place immediately that just fits me and my world and the way I see things. Like, I immediately think of, I went to Zurich for the first time uh, last year, 
And we were walking down the street and supposed to go to this thing for whatever restaurant for a meeting. And I saw this coffee shop that was like legit pour overs, really cool design, great lettering on their menus. And I was like, nope, need to stop in there. And then we kind of befriended everybody in there. They gave us their recommendations. And seriously, their recommendations were the best that we got the whole time we were in, in Zurich. So I can't stress how like finding people of your own cut from the same cloth as you whether it's just a random coffee shop or whatever, yes, sometimes it's happened to me in like this cool independent boutique where somebody's just selling off some fashion and those people usually just, they get you. So they're going to have some good wrecks, hopefully. Absolutely. And that's why you, what you said is so like, I, I never really thought about it that way, but like, I feel like sometimes because the internet is so vast, it's so easy to see, oh, this is the most amazing thing. And it's, certainly some of it is true, but, um, yeah finding someone who's cut from your own cloth like that just zeroes in specifically towards your taste yeah that's awesome thanks (laughs) um so you mentioned salt and wind um so you share so much good content on um salt and wind and like i mean some i'm just listing off a few that are on your main site right now 10 chocolate bars worth hopping a flight um I love that you did a food crawl in downtown Los Angeles. My friend Sarah Cornelius and I hosted um, a pizza crawl in our like little Ooh. podunk Pennsylvania town. We have we have like a legit insane amount of pizza shops in like, a, you know, a couple miles of each other. So we literally just walked and had a pizza crawl in our little town. But yeah, your content is so fun and fresh and you share as much like recipes and and fun, like off menu things as much as you share like, um, lifestyle and advice. And I love all the content you share. So what do you, what do you look for when you're determining what you share? Well, thank you. Um, I think that the number one thing for me is the, the editor I worked with over at child magazines, she, she just would like drill into us that you have to write for yourself and your friends. And so I'm constantly, when my friends come back from some trip or when they're about to plan a trip, I'm like, what do you need to know? Like, what can I provide you with? And they get really annoyed with me, but the, my gift to them is that what they need, we try to create it for them on Salt and Wind if it fits within the categories of food and lifestyle travel. Um, but really, I think there's just so many ways to look at travel and we're always trying to discover those. So What's been really amazing about the magazine is it's it's just over a year old and we're we just are kind of like grabbing on to like minded people. We see we happen to be finding them in real life. We see them like at events on the internet and I I think we're all just kind of understanding like sometimes you can't travel, so you want to dream about the ten places you'd go just in the name of chocolate because if you like chocolate as much as I do that is a real dream you have in life. <laughs> and sometimes you need practical information, like you're going to LA to visit your friend and you want that food crawl to happen, or you only have a couple of hours, so maybe you'll take a piece of that. So we try to make it like really serviceable with a big old dash of just like wanderlust at 3 p.m. in your office and you just need a little, what I call panda time, because once upon a time, one of my favorite videos on the internet was just watching like the pandas at the zoo cam like rolling around like being adorable (laughs) yeah just like baby panda time you know we all need our baby panda time and and we hope that some of our content 
can be your baby panda time when you aren't watching those pandas. Great. I feel like whenever you come to Salt and Wind, it, it feels so personally recommended and really well curated. And I think like, I love that you said writing for you and your friends. I think a lot of times, like a lot of the create the creatives I talk about when they first start out, like myself, just started so naively, not really understanding having a focus. And when you finally zero in on who is who is listening, who's reading, who's following you, that's when the good stuff comes out. Yeah. And and I I really I think the number one thing to remember, I mean, the the reason we call ourselves a magazine and not a blog, obviously we have a ton of contributors and we have like editors and that's one of the reasons. Another reason is no matter there are obviously some awesome blogs like Sarah, Sarah Cornelius's um, beautiful site. When people are writing in the first person, sometimes I think even though a lot of people like that writing, it it first and foremost was created for the person who's writing it. It's almost like a you know it's it is this log of their writing. And the thing for us is we really want people to be like, we're your friend and here's our voice, but this is for you. So we need to know what you want. And so we do reader surveys. We like really encourage people to tell us when we send out our newsletters, like, what are you liking? What are you not liking? Because I mean, we want them to be our friends and hang out with us and they're not going to hang around very long if we're only, you know, being selfish about the way we're writing. Okay. So let's talk about more about what you share. So is there something that you're obsessed with online? Like even if it's pandas, it can totally be pandas. (laughs) I do still like pandas. Um, I would have to say they got overruled by the um, bucket of sloths that Vice put up uh, about like three, four years ago. Oh, so cute. Uh, so amazing. Uh, sorry, it's <laughs> about like random little holes of the internet. But yeah, when it, it's, you know, when it comes to, you're talking about just like in the whole internet, you're not even just going to categorize it in travel or food for me. You're what? Gonna give me everything? At the whole internet at large. Oh, my God, this is so exciting. Um, you know, I I really, I really enjoy the girls over at new potato and they are still kind of in our same space, but I just like the way they write. I like what they do. Um, and I, I have a major girl crush on pretty much everything who, what, where does, I think that the way they write, the way they have built their business, I, I just like want them to take me under their wing. Um, and then I would say that if I need some inspiration of just like so much of what we do is creative and you need to fuel that creativity. And there's obviously all these great things like I love music. So Spotify discover playlist is awesome. But one place I go to time and time again is advancedstyle.com. Do you know this website? Advancedstyle.com is a street style website that I think there's even a documentary or movie made about it. And it's for like SETA and octogenarians to just show their awesome tunics and caftans and things that like none of us wear and aren't allowed to wear until we hit 70. So it's pretty amazing because you see these women who and guys who are our grandparents age and they are just like bringing it in every single single thing they wear. And it just reminds you to like bring it just like just because you're in a retirement home doesn't mean you stop bringing it with your awesome old school cane and your fedora or whatever it is you're wearing. Okay, I just I literally just looked it up and (laughs) this is amazing. It's so good. It's so happy. It makes me so. And honestly, anything with um, Iris Apfel, I'm 
Exactly. So please tell me you've watched the Netflix. I haven't. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say I haven't. So, oh yeah. my gosh. It's it's so great. But I'm oh, this is great. This is a good internet find. Thank you for this. <laughs> no problem. I do it. I can't. These ladies and gentlemen are ruling this. That is awesome. I mean, they, they accessorize to a level I have never in my life, but someday I, this is what I aspire to. Would you say that you could see yourself dressing like this down the line? Um, a hundred percent. My sister, I have three sisters and we all dream of the day when we're like 60 or 70, we have too many cats and we wear like enormous baubles and really bright colors, but all stylishly put together. And we want to have like ridiculous stories about them. Like this is from the Rose Bowl flea market. They originally <laughs> from like 1932 black Dahlia owned it or something crazy. So that's what I'm going for. But, um, it's, it's like 50 years down the road. So we can meet up then once I've started. Hashtag goals. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's keep going with all the silliness. I'm so glad this is exactly where this interview is going. <laughs> okay. What, <laughs> what is your last supper choice? You've been like everywhere where, where, what would you have for your last meal? Oh, geez. I, it's like, I, I, these questions, these kind of questions are so hard for me to answer. I know. Uh, they're really hard for me to answer. First of all, obviously be multi-course. And if it's like my last supper and I don't have to worry about feeling, you know, just like I ate too much because it's my last supper, I'm just going to go for it with like something ridiculous, like 10 courses. And I'm going to pretend like yes. I'm able to like eat whatever I want. Um, and I'm just gonna be able to keep putting it away. So I don't know. I definitely need something, uh, Italian in there because my my grandmother's gnocchi are like one of my major comfort foods so that's in there for sure um in case you haven't noticed or picked up on this I love chocolate so definitely things are ending with chocolate probably just like a simple chocolate ganache tart that's just so rich that only a couple bites are even what's possible in life um and in between there there's there's gotta be and I'm going for a totally different direction there has to be Mexican food like I live <laughs> for Mexican food I think like part of my body composition is agua chile ceviche and some various kinds of enchiladas so somewhere in there that's like getting sprinkled throughout even though it makes no sense so carbs upon carbs finished with chocolate yes <laughs> uh i love that yeah when you're doing your last supper you have to go all out there's no way that you would be like i'll just have a light light meal no yeah no like green juices need apply no not at all well i think that sounds like a great choice i think <laughs> i i love mexican food as well but yeah totally so um this is a really one this is a question i'm really interested to hear your your answer to because this is probably one of the main reasons that I wanted to reach out to you. Um, so Roman Go Lightly is all about um, how working people can live that adventurous, creative life that they crave, even if they do work nine to five. Um, so what piece of advice would you give them for taking advantage of their own town or city? So one of our favorite hashtags to use at Salt and Wind is travel your town. Because I, and I don't really like the concept of a staycation. Like, you know, I mean, sure, there's awesome hotels in your town. Like, by all means, have a romantic weekend in your town. But I think that traveling your town to us is more just like setting up a time to explore a corner you don't know, do something that you might be a little uncomfortable doing or a place you might be a little just like worry about whether it's worth going um, I remember doing this with a friend who lives in Austin and we stumbled upon a honky tonk bar 
and I was, I don't know, we were dressed in like skinny jeans and just like not honky tonk attire and everybody, all the girls were dressed as if they were actually Daisy Duke in <laughs> real life. Kick ass, amazing honky tonk and, you know, Texas two-step dancers and I was like, this, this is what happens when you allow yourself to not go to the bar you go to every Friday. So I think, you know, really like looking for different ways to explore your town. And I, I always tell people that, you know, if there's like a place that they're dreaming to go to and they can't get there or they know that this year they're finally going to get to like Mexico City for the first time to start. If you love cooking as much as the two of us do, like start cooking that food and start having like little mini dinner parties. Like you're going to Spain, have like a teeny tapas party with all your friends and get into like what it's going to be like so that you're still able to travel. Just it happens to be like through your taste buds instead of via plane. I love that you brought that up because I was just talking to uh, Ziza Vita, who's um, working for Darling Magazine and she Uh same idea and she was saying whenever i'm feeling super wanderlusty and it's not coming anytime soon i immediately go to the kitchen and i try my best to recreate a meal from that place that i really want to go to and then she's like i'm totally satiated and then i'm even more excited just to like really try to make it happen even more and i love that i mean what did you say um explore your your town what is it travel your town travel your town that is something I feel like I have to preach over and over again. There's so many hidden pockets of every single place, right? Like, n- there's no way you've seen everything in your own area. I mean, I lived in San Francisco for eight years straight, and I thought I had seen the park that was next to me, and then went on a really random date where we ended up in this teeny corner of this park that had almost a 360 view of San Francisco. That's like very top of Buena Vista Park for anybody who lives in San Francisco. And I don't know how I'd like just not taken the extra maybe 200 steps to go up there. And I was like, this is so, this is like such a bad on me that like I have been in this town for over five years. I'd never done this. And by the way, it's like jaw to the ground view of the city that you don't really see in photos or any other way. Fantastic. And it's like 200 feet. It's like, really? Like, that close? (laughs) Sometimes 200 feet is all it takes. Yes, exactly. So um, I know you hate these type of questions, but I always finish the interviews with um, these sort of silly questions that um, I think they really get into, like, the brain of the interviewee. So I hope you're down to to clown. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's do it. So two truths and a lie. Can you tell us two things that are true and one is a lie? Don't tell me which ones are which. I have to guess which one is the lie. Okay, no problem. So, um, well, definitely I would have to say, you know, I have major love for my car that I have owned since I was 16 and bought out with like the first money that I ever, ever made and still own it today. And that's like a vintage Mercedes Benz. So much love for that. Um, one of the other things I'm going to tell you about myself is I almost became a professional ballerina and then, um, it all came falling down when I realized that I loved food more than I loved ballet (laughs) and that, um, I had torn my knee apart and I would have to say my other thing that I'm going to tell you, um, is that I burned a house down like almost like really really close to almost burn the house down 
um, when we were cooking on my very first time that I was running a food photography session, like as a food stylist myself and never told my boss about it. Oh my gosh. That's the magazine I worked at. Okay. These, these are all great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, all right. Well, I've done, I feel like I have an unfair advantage because I've done some, what I've called gentle stalking of you. <laughs> so okay, I definitely know that the ballet is true. Yes, it is true. And I'm obsessed with that. And I want to talk about that more because I am also a dancer and I love talking about dance. Oh man. I want to say you're, you're, I want to say that the burning the house down is true. Although, you know, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to go with it. Your, your lie is about your car. Is that, um, did I get it? My car, I'm looking at it right now. It is a 1977 Mercedes diesel. It is my baby. Amazing. Yeah. Um, the lie was basically my coworker almost burned the house down. That <laughs> was her uncle that we were not supposed to be at. And the San Francisco police or fire department came over and was like, somebody said that there was flames going on over here. And we were like, we do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> and the lesson we learned was that if you're making stuff like really fatty, like bulgogi on the barbecue, Korean short ribs, you gotta not put too many on at once or you have a flare up. Um, so I'm calling out Kate right now who almost burned her own uncle's house down. Oh my gosh. I was going to say, because to me, the idea of someone who, you know, studied in Paris and cooking, I, I couldn't imagine you burning it down. So at least we can rest assured it wasn't you. As your friend. But I do have to say, Kate is like even more accomplished than I am in the kitchen. Oh so no. It is this thing that like I've known her for whatever, for for years, and I still hold over her. I'm like, remember the time you almost burned that house down, even though you also cooked for like Michael Chiarello and all over <laughs> Yeah, you almost did that. <laughs> Humbling moment. Exactly. <laughs> you love your car. Did you have you oh, do you love it. do you have you given the car a name? Obviously, you gotta do that. Um, actually, I didn't name it. My parents did. They call it the Diesel Dog because it's like an old school diesel car, and it like barks like a dog when it's warming up. Um, <laughs> but then it hums like a cat once it's good to go. So Sweet. yeah. But um, I it, I always know when I move to a new neighborhood, like who's gonna be my neighbors because they'll see me pull up in my car and they they come over and they're like, Hey, I love your car. And you're like, Okay, we can be friends. We're good. Like, and other people are like, Your car's so noisy. And you're like, We can't be friends. You're not. You're not my. T- <laughs> type of person <laughs> yeah like i only use this thing once a week it gets like a thousand miles on it a year like deal with it we're gonna be good let's talk about dance because you are a ballerina and i know that you were training and then you made you had some injuries correct <laughs> yeah i did um they had nothing to do with ballet though so i was training to be a professional ballerina and uh, i'm really i'm pretty tall uh, as if you dance you know that like, 5'8's pretty tall for wanting to get into professional ballet. So I had, like, my sights set on a couple companies. I was all good to go. Like, everything was happening. I was going to accomplish my dreams. And then my friends talked me into going skiing at, like, one of our local mountains here in, in Southern California. I had a crush on a boy. I tried to impress <laughs> him and went off a jump and jacked my knee up to a level that, like, it, it I mean, just, like, completely torn apart. So it put me down nine months. Um, I was, I realized this is when I was in high school and I realized I like never, ever had a part in my life where like I was immobile and doing something like that where it's like the antithesis of your personality makes you really be like, how else can I express myself? And I realized that for me, 
it was through food. So, it, you know, it was a very happy accident in the end. So how long, how long had you danced up until that point? Um, I had danced about, I think, 13 years. And then I still dance today, but I don't perform or anything like that. Are you a Misty Copeland uh, <gasps> fan like me? Love, yes. A Misty, actually, my like, my six degrees of separation of Misty is that our director of our company left in this, this like whirlwind drama that was going on. I mean, crazy stuff was happening at the company I was dancing at. And she left and was doing some volunteer work down at the YMCA and came across Misty and was one of the first people to help train her. Oh, amazing. It was like really amazing because we like, she then that director started her own company down in San Pedro and Misty was like, you know, they're very much shining star, even at 13, 14 until she went off and became who she is at the young age of 16. But no, she's amazing. I mean, yeah, why, you know, she's like Beyonce, like there's nothing to hate there. There's no. only love going to a Misty Copeland. Absolutely. And have you watched the, ba- like we keep, I keep that bringing him. Up- oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yes. I was yes. embarrassed. Really, I was bringing up yeah. so much Netflix. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't be embarrassed at all. I mean, I have to be, I have to be honest. Like I used to try and work when I would take flights and now I've realized like that's when I get my streaming on. Like that's when I watch stuff. And it makes flight so much more enjoyable for me because I can just binge watch and do it with pride. Oh, that's it. I mean, it's the best time to just binge anything. <laughs> I probably have gone through like all the seasons of New Girl on planes. But yeah. yeah. Although there was somebody next to me watching Wipeout, the like American version of that Japanese show, you know, where people. Yeah. Like episode after episode. <laughs> after like, episode. You're like, what are you getting out of this? And I was like, how are you? I mean, it's fun for five minutes, but we're on like a 12 hour flight and you're just like, can't stop, won't stop with the wipeout episode. So I don't know. I always wonder if like somebody thinks that about me when I'm watching Mr. Robot. Or, I mean, uh, yeah, oh my God, what's the show? Mr. Robot. Yeah. Mr. Robot. <laughs> I um, think, I mean, if you were sitting next to me, I'd probably f- want to be friends with you, not the guy watching wipeout. <laughs> so glad I eked him out. <laughs> okay, so what would your what would your dream day look like? Um, well, I have a huge family and I totally love them, so there's definitely some time with them involved. Um, you know, we we do things like really dorky things like go on hikes together. So, let's say it starts with a hike. Um, and there's definitely some kind of culture involved as well. I think a city like Los Angeles in particular, people know us for like our, you know, Hollywood and the entertainment industry, but I actually love our museum, LA County Museum of Art, LACMA. Um, So I'd probably go over there. And then I would most definitely, there would be some kind of crawl. I was going to say it was going to be kind of a neighborhood crawl along the lines of my how to do a food crawl downtown LA, but your pizza crawl idea is really tempting. So I feel like I might do some version of that in there. Um, And then I really, really enjoy sunset. So like actually this evening I'm meeting friends for sunset cocktails where we can like be on a rooftop and it would definitely have that in there too. If you end up planning a pilgrimage to find pizza all around Los Angeles, I would love to hear about it, but you should check out the Feast of St. Pizza. They're like the the guys who started this whole pizza crawl thing. Check them out. Okay. They're really cool. Will do. And family. Yay. So what, what is your, what is your culture? I'm just, I'm curious. So 
I've been told that my father is half Irish and half Dutch, but my brother-in-law, who married into the family a couple of years ago, would claim that his Ancestry.com research leads him to believe otherwise. <laughs> I'm dubious as to that, because anytime I walk into Amsterdam, people actually start speaking Dutch to me based on my mo- my last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I know 100% for sure my mom is 100% Italian. So that's where my name comes from. And for whatever reason, that's what I relate to mostly, maybe just because I got into food and, you know, the Italian side's a little stronger than the Irish and the Dutch. They're, they got their other strengths. <laughs> yeah, definitely other strengths. But the kitchen is the Italian domain. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Now, my favorite question. What do you really and truly love? <sighs> um, you know, this is probably unexpected because we haven't talked about it at all. But I really love the ocean. And that's actually one of the reasons that my fiance and I kind of first connected. I've always had to live near a major body of water, if not an actual ocean. And there's just this connection. I feel there's like a peacefulness and the re I mean, you could live near like a waterfall and that's very peaceful and amazing. Um, but I have to say that the ocean for me is, it's just so grand and regal and kind of like scary and so it can like it simultaneously be awesome and yet ominous and I love that like weird balance it strikes um so I actually been involved in a nonprofit organization around you know ocean preservation and we spend a lot of our weekends like down beachside and what have you so ocean all the way beautiful couldn't agree more thank you so much for doing this Aida this has been really fun Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I mean, anytime I can talk about advanced style pandas and the ocean, I'm good. (laughs) And now I I feel like I'm leaving this interview with so many good little internet tidbits. (laughs) That's awesome. So where where can um, we find you and what you do on the interwebs? So I have kind of two personalities. Um, You can find me at Aida Mollenkamp kind of on all social platforms. Um, I'm always regularly on Salt and Wind because I am the editor-in-chief, so, like, please come visit. And if you like video, then you should check out my Taste Made series. It's called Off Menu, and Season 2 just launched, and we'll be going to different parts of Europe in search of food and delicious food. I'm so excited for Season (laughs) 2. Thank you. It's, like, it's such, it's so much fun to film it, and I'm always, like, I want people to like it as much as I do, so please tell me you do. I'm so, you know, I just, I love when I get to do something that is just so much fun, and I think Off Menu is that. Absolutely, and, like, I feel so much, like, Salt and Wind is the internet, and Off Menu is, like, the the visual, experiential, like, taste of who you are. So, yeah, it's so, both, both your dual personalities, so fun. Oh, good. I'm glad you don't feel like it's a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Oh, no, no, no. All right. Well, Aida, thank you so much and for taking this time. And I know you're so busy and just thank you. This has been really great. Yeah, no, thank you, Laura. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I... I always just... I love podcasts, so I can't wait to listen to more Roman Go Lightly. Guys, best way to end season one ever, right? Thank you so much, Aida. You rock and you rule and you're all good things. But I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us, Creative Adventures. 
So guys, that's our final episode of interviews for season one. I'm hoping to get a summary episode out there before the end of August, and I want to clue you in on what's going to be happening for season two. You can check out a ton of resources of stuff to keep you creative and inspired and adventurous, even if you're a working person, at RomeAndGoLightly.com. You can find us on Instagram at RomeAndGoLightly and on Snapchat at Rome underscore GoLightly. But seriously, definitely make sure you check out our hub of resources at our blog and our website at RomeAndGoLightly.com. We're constantly sharing blog posts and different e-courses and ideas to keep you inspired in your real-world responsible lifestyle that you have. Um, So stay tuned for our final summary of season one soon. Um, And thank you for joining us. I can't believe season one is coming to a close. You guys rock. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe um, so other creative adventurers can find all the good stuff that we've experienced as season one comes to a close. See you guys. See you soon. Bye.